Welcome back to Feminist Book Club, the podcast. We're not just about feminist books. We are here for social justice, literature, and media in all its forms. But we do that through an intersectional feminist lens. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Renee Powers here, and I... I'm so excited for this episode because Sarah and I have been chatting about um, this topic for months now. It seems like since the day you started, Sarah, we've been talking about this. So I'm joined by Sarah Hernandez, who is our captain of commerce, essentially my right hand person at the office. And this is your first time on the podcast. Welcome, Sarah. It's good to be here. I'm so excited. So what are we talking about today, Sarah? Well, today we're talking about charismatic con women, and specifically, we have three in mind. And we've gone back and forth on, like, who to include, but Elizabeth Holmes has always been at the top of the list, Anna Delvey, always at the top of the list, and then I throw in Sheryl Sandberg as a, as a curveball because she's got some interesting things around her. But why this topic? What draws you to charismatic con women? You know, Renee... There's just something about the fact that you don't see very many of them, women getting what they want. And, you know, even though it's really not great what they want and it's not, that's not great what they want. It's just fascinating to watch them and see how everything conspired and where they started to where they're ending, which is prison, but some, some, okay. I love a good con, especially when the victims of the con are like rich people. <laughs> I don't want the everyday average person to be conned. That's terrible. But big companies, big banks, rich old white guys, like I, I find something just yeah. really enjoyable, you know, sitting on the sidelines and watching that unfold. So that's why I am excited about this topic. Um, and I wanted, I, I called this, you know, I haven't had this conversation yet, but I call this charismatic con women, because I think that the word charisma is so rarely applied to women. Agreed. It is something that men in business tend to be like lauded for, but women, like what, how often do you hear about a woman with charisma. I've never heard uh, charismatic as an adjective to describe somebody or describe a woman just right. in general. Right. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk about that, but I want to go through these three women that we're talking about today and then <laughs> revisit the word charisma and see if it applies to them. So our first con woman, the queen, Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> ah! Okay, so for those of you not familiar with Elizabeth Holmes, first of all, do yourself a favor, read the book Bad Blood by John Carey Rue. It is the story of Theranos, which Elizabeth Holmes was the founder. Elizabeth Holmes is a Stanford dropout who decided that she was going to create this machine that tests for like hundreds of different medical tests using one small vial of blood, which is nearly impossible. This is nanotechnology essentially, but what she, she's not an engineer. I mean, I think she was in an engineering program for a year, 
maybe? Yeah. Yeah. She only had a high school degree. So right. it's, <laughs> that's all I'm imagining and seeing is like, how do you think you could do these like bio biometrics? Is that what, is that the word? I think it's, I don't know the scientific word because yeah, I, I don't even understand it. <laughs> bioengineering. Yeah. So how can you have a high school degree and understand bioengineering and right. say that you know what you're doing exactly. with these little drops of blood? Little vials. And she took the Silicon Valley scene by storm. She was on the cover of Time Magazine. There's like this infamous photo of her with this like little tiny pill-sized vial of blood that supposedly will tell you hundreds of results, whether it's from diabetes to HIV to like low B12. Like, (laughs) and you could, and it put, and it's brilliant, right? The idea is brilliant. And that's what I think is so interesting is like, yeah, we want that kind of technology that you can order your own health test. So you can have an idea of like, oh, I'm a low on potassium. I'm going to go eat a banana. Right. And the deal was you could put these small machines that were like the size of, I don't know, a a modern uh, desktop computer in like a a Walgreens and she sold this tech to Walgreens and people could order their own blood tests at Walgreens. Like that's brilliant. The problem is it didn't work. (laughs) And she kept lying about how it wasn't like it was working. She kept on saying it was working. But what's so genius about Elizabeth Holmes is she understood the startup and venture capital investment game forwards and back. Like she knew it was a game. She knew how to play it and she knew how to play people. She surrounded herself with brilliant people, really influential people with last names like Kissinger and Clinton. And she could really easily convince because she's a young, blonde, white, big blue eyed woman. She was like an enigma and she could easily sway people. She had a great story. She could easily sway people to give her millions of dollars just because she knew the game. She didn't know the tech. She didn't know the product, but she knew the game of asking for money. And it didn't and it really helped with the fact that she had just a list of those supporters backing her up. So more supporters wanted to back her up after that. Right, right. Again, brilliant. It was networking. like the snowball was going and it just kept on going and it just got big. And here's the thing I, I admire that in her, honestly. And this is where I, I sit on Elizabeth Holmes kind of as a figurehead is like, man, she did a lot of things right. What she didn't do right was lie about her tech and her product didn't work, but there is a fake it till you make it mentality in startup culture. And I am guilty of that too. Like numbers and startups are all made up, like completely made up. If I were to go ask for investments, which I'm feminist book club is completely self-funded. It is not, there's nothing, no outside investments in this. I own hundred percent of this company, but if I were to go out- If I were to go out and start pitching for investors, I would essentially be making up projections of like where I think it could go with your $500,000 investment. This is our financial projections over the last next three years. Like that's completely made up. Who knows what's going to happen in three years? Right. And I want to contrast that with WeWork, the the, um, co-working company, follows a really similar (laughs) investment path where they were making up numbers, they were getting 
huge backing behind them, millions and millions of dollars. Everything was made up. And that came to bite the founder in the ass. The founder was never charged for anything. Whereas Elizabeth Holmes was charged with 11 counts of fraud and was guilty on four counts of defrauding investors, the specifically investor wire fraud. She's, she wasn't found guilty on like how her tech hurt the consumer, which people were being told like, oh no, you don't have HIV because their tests came back. Their blood tests didn't, were inconclusive. And they were told like, oh, you don't have XYZ disease. So for instance, if it were HIV, you could go then and danger multiple people because you thought that you were HIV negative. I didn't even think about that. Uh Uh That just like made, sent chills down my spine saying like, ooh, Elizabeth Holmes, you fucked up. Yeah, real bad, (laughs) real bad. Like you thought you were saving lives, killing people. So Elizabeth Holmes' persona is so interesting. And I know that you're obsessed with it. As I'm wearing a black turtleneck today, like <laughs> I thought ready about putting on red lipstick. I don't, I can't though. I don't wear lipstick anymore. Her persona is just iconic. I don't know. The bleached hair, the big blue eyes, the turtleneck, the deep voice. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And she's so good at keeping up with appearances in that way. So she faked it until she made it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to, I sent you the um, trailer for the was it a hulu show that's coming oh, out called yep, the it is the first on my watch list as soon as that opens up or comes out i should say <laughs> yeah, i know i'm so excited amanda how do you say her last name siegfried seyfried seyfried yes. karen from mean girls is playing <laughs> elizabeth holmes and i am so excited i think it's such good casting although we are a little concerned about her voice i don't know if it's deep enough but we will see <laughs> it's not deep enough for our liking <laughs> Because the deal with Elizabeth Holmes is in public, she put on that really weird voice. She idolized Steve Jobs. And so she was trying to emulate him in every single way, including speaking like a man. I don't know. Well, no, it's stated that it, it reminds me of, say, reading Word Slut, where they talk about how if your voice is like, on the higher side, it's going to sound more shrill. People aren't really going to want to listen to you. Whereas like if it's on the lower side, people will think of you as authoritative and like want to listen to you. So I think like that was probably what she was trying to emulate. Like just, I'm in power. Listen to me. Right. And and it just comes off kooky, honestly. Um, And then in the end, it bit her in the ass. Yeah. But so interesting. But so interesting. (laughs) And then I guess speaking of fake it till you make it mentalities, let's talk about Anna Delvey. Okay. I am on, I mean, I read the book. So her best friend wrote the book. My friend, Anna, her best friend. I don't know. You should probably take this. (laughs) Ex-best friend. Ex-best friend. But I I don't think there are BFFs anymore, but uh, who knows? (laughs) Honestly? I wouldn't put it past either of them, honestly. I mean, I live in conspiracy city, so who knows? <laughs> We're QAnon, but just for charismatic content. No, not that. <laughs> no, no, not far right. Well, let's go the other way. <laughs> okay, tell us about Anna Delvey. All right, so Anna Delvey, she's also known as, or I should say her real name is Anna Sorkin. 
She was Russian born, moved to Germany, and then popped up in the New York City art scene in 2013 and was posing as a socialite. Eventually, she had a fake German heiress kind of nicknamed to her because she was claiming that she was worth over 60 million euro. But in the end, she scammed friends and businesses out of over a quarter of a million dollars to fund her lifestyle, all while she was saying she was planning on opening the Anna Delby Foundation, which is just a private members club or a private members art club. Which could have been cool. I think it would have been great, like for, or not great, trying to think of the words. I think it would have been cool as well for people that can spend that kind of money (laughs) on art. Right. right. I would never be welcome, but good good for those people to go chill at a private art club. Yeah, this is a- Those amenities, I guess. This is a social circle that I, or sphere, (laughs) stratum that I will never inhabit. I will never be welcome in Anna Delvey's circle before or after incarceration. Well, I don't know if she's coming back because she ended up getting convicted of attempted grand larceny, three grand larceny counts, a misdemeanor charge of theft of services, and was ended up being sentenced for four to 12 years in prison, but she was released February, 2021, six weeks after ICE took her. So now she's currently sitting in jail in like California, awaiting to get deported back to Germany. Oh, I was going to ask, is she, I mean, does she overstay a visa? Like why is immigration involved? She clearly overstayed a visa. She was in prison while her visa ran oh, out. Shit. It's not her fault. Like she actually like, just is like, I need to go home. Like I need to go back to Germany. And she's just sitting in ice, which she did write an article for Business Insider that came out, like I want to say the first week of February. And she talks about being the only female on, hold on. She's the only female on her, like being detained in that ice unit. Oh, wow. Yeah, Insider article, she wrote that she was, I feel like I need to start this over. Okay, Insider. Yeah, so ICE is basically saying that she's still a threat to society. So they're not, like, she's not allowed to go out because she could con more people. And she's the only one, only woman in ICE custody in that jail cell cell in California. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's wild. That is wild. So... Go ahead. (laughs) So we both came, well, hmm. so I want to talk about, this is a book podcast. Her friend, Rachel Jaloge Williams, wrote a book about how she was basically the one that gave her up after she had been realized that she was being conned by her friend. Do you want to talk a little bit about Rachel and your feelings around Rachel? Oh my gosh. I have so many feelings around (laughs) Rachel Deloach Williams. And I know Renee just wants me to talk about them. (laughs) Um, Okay. My feelings about Rachel Deloach. I just don't understand. So Anna was not convicted for like scamming Rachel Deloach. Rachel Deloach was put on the stand during Anna's trial to kind of seem to try to sway the masses and have sympathy towards like a single person, but no one cared about Rachel Deloach, unfortunately. (laughs) So she ended up writing a whole book about her whole experience called My Friend Anna. And it was just talking about how she went to Morocco and there was like, it was a lavish trip. Anna invited her to Morocco, had a lavish trip and Rachel Deloach ended up putting $62,000 worth of charges on her Amex card. 
her company Amex card. She worked for Vogue at the time. Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair. Yes, she worked for Vanity Fair. And yes, so she put, I think it was only about 30,000 on her company card and then 30 like personal on her personal card, which that all really sucks. I would never do that for somebody, even if it was a close friend. I don't think I'd have a close friend that would offer to take me to Morocco anyways. And if I did, I'd be like, okay, where's the catch? Um, Unfortunately, but maybe that's because I'm a jaded human and I wouldn't have trusted somebody to take me somewhere for free like that. Yes. But Um, I mean, on, on the other side, like she bought Anna's story hook, line and sinker, right? She was, you know, visiting Anna in these lavish hotels that she was living in. She was doing personal training one-on-one with like celebrity trainers with her. She was going to these infrared saunas with her like every day. So she assumed that she had the money to spend to go on this like crazy trip to Morocco. Mm -hmm. I, you're completely right. And it's another game of keeping up with appearances Mm -hmm. because it has been noted that Anna Sorkin or Anna Delvey was handing out hundred dollar tips left and right, or would spend a certain amount of money on something like one thing that's lavish, but it doesn't really get you anywhere. Like a bottle of champagne or Don Perignon. Yeah. And that's like, that's showmanship, but what's the word? Like the curtain behind the back door. There's a, some sort of saying like that, like smoke screen. It's all smoke. It's all a smoke screen. It's all a smoke screen. But I think that I honestly, between her and Elizabeth Holmes, I don't think these two women intentionally knew that, I don't think they set out to scam people. I think they bought their own story. I think that they were like, I'm going to, you know, do what I can to make it look, to fake it till I make it, to make it look like I am worth bajillions of dollars. And eventually that money will come and all of my like debts will be wiped clean. I will be able to pay all of that back. I really, truly think that both of these women had that mentality. You know, I kind of almost wonder if like when they were younger or something, it was almost like a need for power. And then it just sort of started to continue down that line where like, we're going to keep going for this power. And then how can I get that? How can I get there? And then it just started building up into trying to con millions of dollars out of people yeah, or like take millions of dollars out of people because they want to be rich. I think even in Bad Blood, it was mentioned that Elizabeth Holmes stated when she was younger, I want to be rich. Yeah. And I'm, I don't think I've ever said that. <laughs> I, like, I mean, wouldn't it I be want great to be comfortable? To be <laughs> exactly. Like I want to be able to. Go to the doctor without caring. Right, own my own car. (laughs) Yes, not let my car go past a quarter of a tank full. Right, right. You know what? I want want guacamole money. That's what I want. I want to be able to pay the extra $2 for guacamole. Um, (laughs) But I mean, I feel like Anna grew up poor and came Mm -hmm. to the U.S. with bright ideas of what it means to be American and living in kind of American socialized society. And she was ordering guacamole the day she got here, I'm sure. Yeah. She made her life what she wanted and she did it. And her parents were funding her for a little bit. And then I think she had to take matters in her own hands at a certain point. But, you know, after she got out of her, right before she went into prison, she was talking to Netflix and then ended up selling her life rights 
So now we have Reinventing Anna coming out on Netflix soon. And Produced and directed by Queen Shonda Rhimes, which I think yes. will be so interesting. It's been a project that's been going on since like 2018. And then if you actually go to Anna Dobie's Instagram, because that's active, it's a thing. She posted some photos of like recording or like being at the set for a minute so for the six weeks that she was out. But the one thing that like kind of annoys me, I don't know why it bothers me or why it rubs me the wrong way, but Lena Dunham is also working on an Anna Delvey project for HBO. I'm pretty dang sure Rachel Deloach sold her story because Rachel Deloach is being posed as the main, the main protagonist of that story. In Lena Dunham's version? In Lena, Dun- in Lena Dunham's. Whereas like the Netflix series, it's going to be more about like Anna Sorokin's story and kind of like a retelling with her words. Right. Interesting. I am so looking forward to these shows, docu-series, what the fuck ever that we're getting of both Anna and Elizabeth. I think they're going to be so interesting. And I think Lena Dunham's going to have a really interesting lens into it, especially if she's going the Rachel route. But, you know, she grew up very privileged. Oh, she's yeah. got, and her parents are in the art world. And I feel like that's going to give her a different like artistic director auteur eye to to tell this story I don't know if it's gonna be good or not <laughs> but I yeah, think it's I'm, gonna be interesting I'm not quite sure what to expect because like we both said that Rachel Deloach Williams she does come from a privileged background as well and she didn't end up having to pay any of those like that sixty thousand dollars worth of charges Amex took the hit which is like, fine. I don't care about Amex paying yeah. the extra $60,000. Again, that's the kind of the con I'm card. here for. <laughs> yeah. We're here to con credit card companies, but right. I'm not going to do it because I don't want to go to prison. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, I don't understand her or anything. Like I said, I'm in conspiracy town. Maybe they're all working together and maybe they're all sharing the money. Who knows? I don't know. I think it's, it's fascinating. I was first introduced to Anna's story on the show Generation Hustle on HBO, which I then told you you had to watch. Yeah. So absolutely, everyone. We're going to leave a list of references, like everything we've talked about, all the books that we've referenced, all the other media that we've referenced, some of the articles that you have brought up. We'll leave that all in the show notes, so don't worry. The last woman charismatic con woman and this is like con woman question mark that I want to talk about is Sheryl Sandberg so if you're not familiar research that's great so I'm gonna sway and tell you how to feel about Sheryl Sandberg she and I have met her and so that is also like a I've got a picture of her with like with her like I don't know it was at a a conference in 2013 she is the COO of Facebook now she rose to kind of public consciousness writing the book Lean In. And that in itself, I think is a con (laughs) because she wrote this book. She's very privileged. Again, she came from Google to become the COO of Facebook. She's basically Zuckerberg's right hand. And anything that has to do with monetization of the platform is all Sheryl Sandberg's idea. But before we get into that, this idea of leaning in is like 
is so second wave feminist and it's so not good convincing women essentially that it's their fault if they're not advancing in their careers. <laughs> yeah. See, this is why I didn't read that book. Yeah. It's terrible. Leaning in means refers to like leaning into the, your career, getting the help at home where you need it. Again, only the most privileged and resource women can do that. Getting live in nannies, getting a night nanny, getting a housekeeper, like not just oh, yeah. a cleaner that comes <laughs> once a month, but like a housekeeper, like a live in. <laughs> Wait, she said bring, get a housekeeper in this I mean, these kinds of things are like, you don't have to do all of the cooking. You can hire somebody to do the cooking for you or like purchase one of these meal delivery services and, (laughs) and everyday women can't do that. So instead of, she's essentially telling women like, here are ways to work within the system to be just like the boys. But it's like the feminist thing to do here is to change the system so we yeah. don't have to work like the boys, right? Because the system systematically disadvantages women and gender non-conforming people in the workforce. And so the problem here is not the women and gender non-conforming people. It is the workforce. Yes. So I think that is her first con is convincing women that they're the reason that it's that their not, fault. Yeah. That it's their, that it's our fault that are, that we're not making as much money and that we're like overwork and underpaid. Like, Oh, mm, I guess I just need a housekeeper. Like, no. Like blaming the pay gap on women. Exactly. I mean, that's essentially what it is. Like if you just worked a little harder, you You might get it. Right. That's, (laughs) it's disgusting. But most recently, really think, I think in the next 10 years, we're going to see Facebook on trial. Like literally people that worked there, Zuckerberg, Sandberg, some of their engineers, but like less of them, more Cheryl and and Zuckerberg. Because when the Russian hacking scandal broke, they were all complicit in that they all claimed ignorance that they didn't know what was going on, but they knew exactly what was going on. Cheryl Sandberg was the brains behind monetizing user data and selling advertising that is like hyper-specific to users which is a breach of privacy, right? I hate Following it. <laughs> a user off of the platform onto other sites and then feeding that data back to Facebook. This was all, Sarah, this is all Sheryl Sandberg's idea. Oh man. <laughs> and when Zuckerberg wanted to do those kinds of things and like engineer it to be even better and like not, okay. So what is so like appalling to me is he especially wanted Facebook to be apolitical and you cannot take an Mm-mm. apolitical stand a at all when you're that big of a company b when you are the number one driver of misinformation and disinformation yep and c when the russians are using your platform to manipulate an election which is proven and they were told that over and over oh. again and they're like well we can't do anything about it like uh whoopsie yep well, it's free speech and, and people <laughs> should be able to choose and like do their own research but like the average american is not going to research every single thing that they see on facebook 
So I really do think that in the future, we will see, I don't know. I don't know. I saw that Facebook is like, has been devalued billions of dollars, which is beautiful. And I love to see it. Well, you know, they did name metaverse after like a sci-fi novels, uh, hellscape of a virtual world. I mean, science. I can't fiction, remember the sci-fi novel. But... Science fiction is just science fact that hasn't been in- invented yet. Oh, don't tell the Scientologists. <laughs> <laughs> That's another rabbit hole I would love to go down. <laughs> if you want to know more information about, you know, how the Russians manipulated the election, how Facebook responded or didn't respond when, you know, the Cambridge Analytica breach came out. There is an excellent book that came out just uh, a few months ago called An Ugly Truth by Cecilia Kong and Shira Frankel. They are New York Times um, investigative journalists that spoke to hundreds of people within Facebook um, about these things. And it's really, really good and really thorough and excellent on audio. Ooh, so check that one out. (laughs) And it's just like, I have not been on Facebook as much as I used to because of it's disgusting the way that they took advantage of people and people's privacy and literally lost an election. The interesting thing, rumor has it that Sheryl Sandberg would have been in Hillary Clinton's cabinet had she won. Oh, Mm -hmm. I mean, lean in and breaking the glass ceiling. Right. All very close to each other, I guess. I could see Cheryl and Hillary being buds. They are. Yeah. Oh, they got the same haircut, right? They are cut from the same cloth. Okay. And that is not the, that is not the feminism that we are here for. No, no, we're not ready for Hillary. Sorry. No, we are a little more radical than that. So to, to wrap us up, is charisma a gendered trait? I don't think it has to be. Like, I think it's just the way that we use the word charisma or charismatic. I think we would have to change it to make it not a gendered trait or use it more describing women and queer people instead mm-hmm. of just men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think it's so interesting that it's not a word that automatically comes to mind when I think of woman leaders. Like what would be a charismatic equivalent word that gets used to describe women? Well, there's not a whole lot of positive words to describe women in charge girl boss (laughs) I'm like authoritative and charming no charming but even charming feels diminutive especially when applied to a woman and so I I don't know I just think that I would like to be called charismatic right charismatic oh thank you (laughs) thank you that's what I'm here for and episode that's all I wanted but I just think that that is a necessary leadership skill and when we don't think to apply it to women I think that it does all not men in leadership positions a disservice if we're only allowed to call men charismatic not that we're only allowed to are you is this making sense like we're more likely to call men charismatic than women and if we were to call women charismatic more and I'm using this very gender binary and I recognize that but if we were to call women charismatic more I wonder if that would help in their leadership advancement maybe 
or if we could easily more easily identify charisma and women regardless yeah like these, what makes a charismatic man or what makes a charismatic woman that's the yeah. big question yeah or and I think charismatic that, person that's yes. that should be the better word here and I think that what these three women that we talked about today have in common is they all have really carefully crafted larger than life personas they've really spent time thinking about how they present themselves to the public yeah and with the with social media and self-branding it is necessary also makes it easier to tell a story uh-huh exactly tell an untrue story mm-hmm. uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be your lower elizabeth holmes voice i can't even <laughs> do it <clears throat> Is the art of a con a gendered crime? No, I don't think so. The art of a con. I mean, I have been seeing many other con shows go up recently. So I think con artists must just be a very hot topic lately. I'm the one funding it. It's all of my views. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> all of my downloads, all of my views. It's solely me watching okay. all this because I'm obsessed with it. Yes, me too. But yeah, there's been a couple other shows that have popped up recently that have been about con men and uh, women that might have gotten involved with them. I feel like you hear more about con men than you do con women. And when it's a con woman, it's a bigger deal almost. Mm-hmm. Like the trial becomes bigger. The It's more, There's I feel like there's more media coverage of it and focused on like what they're wearing and what yeah. they look like. But yeah. I think that's the same for a lot of trials that have women in it, yeah. like compared to men and women, like women are usually going to be more scrutinized by the media in general. Yeah. It's definitely sensationalized more when it's a woman. I, I would venture to say that men and women con probably the same amount. <laughs> this is, this is my theory. Women get away with it more because it's smaller cons mm. Men have a better risk tolerance and therefore they're going to go for the riskier cons and then they get caught more often that is my theory (laughs) they go big and then they end up not going home yeah yeah exactly (laughs) yeah they go big they go to jail and the girl's like okay buy me a drink uh here and then it's small and then boom out (laughs) yeah that's that's my theory so i want to wrap up with this question why do you admire these women I think the word admire (laughs) is not the right word. Yeah, I don't think that's the right word at all. I think it's more of like a fascination and like not people that I want to befriend, but dang, I would love to have a cup of coffee and just be like, wow, why did you do it? Like how? And not because like I want to like learn anything. It would just be more so like, I want to know how they got there and why they, what brought them to this almost larger than life status, because like their stories when they're younger, they're all the same as like, say mine or yours, Mm -hmm. like young kids probably living life. And I don't know, just had big dreams and didn't know how to get there and took what they could. Yeah. I would love to sit down and have a cup of coffee with Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah. Because, because she understands I I just think that she is so brilliant in the investment game. She understands relationships as currency. She understands the value of a story. 
and she could use it to manipulate people. Would I use it to manipulate people? No, but I want those skills. I just think. Are you hearing that right now? Okay. The uh, security camera guys are back. Of course. Great timing. Yeah. They, that's why I did one minute because someone was like, poke, like trying to knock on the door and I'm like, no, y'all were supposed to be here last week, (laughs) three weeks ago. Anyways. So those are our three con women that we question mark admire, or at least are fascinated by except Sheryl Sandberg's trash. I don't admire her at all. Okay. We don't want a cup of coffee with Sheryl Sandberg would visit Elizabeth and Anna in prison. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just to pick their brains, not Just to be to their bestie. Say, Hey, nice to see you. I'm sorry that you're in prison. Use your powers for good when you get out because you are yes. very powerful. Use your powers for good. Yeah. I think that's the best way to put it. Please use your powers for good. Yes. Well, <laughs> Sarah, this has been such a delight to finally do this. We've been talking about this for months now. Yay. Welcome to the podcast. You oh, are no longer behind the computer. You are now in front of the mic. So Sarah. Oh no. <laughs> Sarah edits most of our, or 50% of our episodes. So <laughs> well, maybe you'll hear me on another one soon. Yay! <laughs> All right. Where can we find you on the internet? If we want to connect with you. Well, you can find me on Instagram at the Sarah with three H's. That's the Sarah H H H. I don't really know how to should I spell it. T H E S A R A H H H H H. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Just find the link in the bio. It's totally fine. Awesome. And I'm the thumbs behind the feminist book club Instagram. So you can find me there. Feel free to DM us. If you are interested in this topic and you have some charismatic con women that you would like us to read about because we're fascinated by it please let us know and i will i'll see you later today sarah <laughs> yay i'll be here okay all right all Ciao. Right. yep bye all right do i leave the meeting oh okay how do i stop the recording what the hell oh there thank you for tuning in to today's episode of feminist book club the podcast want to be part of the club here's how you can join us Obviously, subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review for brownie points. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and TikTok. All of those links are in the show notes. Sign up for our newsletter to be the first to know what our next monthly book pick is. And check out our award-winning monthly book subscription service. Oprah Magazine named it one of their favorite book boxes, and Shonda Rhimes called us one of her favorite subscription boxes in general. There are multiple membership levels for any budget, and it's an excellent way to support the show and the voices you heard today. See you in the club.